Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta. I'm John Sloan. And I'm Sandra Trittin. And together we are exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. I'm joined for the first time by my new co-host, Sandra Trittin. Hello, Sandra. Hello to everyone. Great to be with you today. Um, so Sandra and I will be co-hosting the podcast from now on. Um, today's podcast, we're looking at the future of energy retail or energy suppliers. We talk a lot, I've talked a lot on this podcast about customer centricity, energy services, and really transforming the way that the energy sector interacts with customers. So regular listeners will know I'm very passionate about this topic. Sandra, your background with Tico, you've been taking technology services to energy suppliers across Europe. Um, how, how do you see this area? I mean, I think we share a lot of the same passion and drive around where we think energy retail needs to go. Do you see it going in that way from your experience at Tico? Were you uh, walking through open doors at energy retailers? Were you trying to push water uphill? Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty interesting. So first of all, I think it's one of the most important changes that the um, energy industry is going through um, because it will also shape the energy future of all the customers, so of all of us significantly for the future. Um, but unfortunately, out of, the, out of my own experience, it's going much slower than we would like it to have and also much slower than it could be mm. um, and if you look at the at the markets today the main push normally is coming from new market entrants yeah it's barely the existing players who are who are riding the wave um, it's mainly the new ones and what is interesting the new market players have also seen or realized um, this as a new business opportunity right and they have understood the the potential and the growth opportunity um, for themselves, but also for the for the general sector, and this this is also reflected by the by the big new players uh, which we are seeing today. So, I think it's moving. It's moving slower than expected, but it it got a push over the last uh, let's say three to four years, also with the COVID situation yeah. and with the um, with the situation in Ukraine, etc., it got quite quite a push to move now faster. Okay, so maybe now it's quite a good time to step back and look at where energy retail is at um, and where we think it will go. So to do that, we're joined by two uh, LCP Delta colleagues and experts, Jennifer Aram and Nigel Timberley. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, guys. And hi, Nigel. Hi, Rom. Nice to see you. Um, now, we're going to be talking about a paper that the two of you have put together, The Dawn of a Customer-Centric Transition. So um, it's, yeah, it's not wholly focused on energy retail, but it's very much about the energy industry's uh, interaction with customers. So let's start. Just by what do you mean about a customer-centric transition? Um, 
Each one of you unpack that a little bit for our listeners. Well, shall I dive in? Go for it, Nigel. <laughs> Essentially, the energy retail uh, model is outdated. Um, it's set up in an adversarial, a confrontational way, in fact. Um, and perhaps it's no surprise that energy companies have very poor brands with their customers. Um, an energy company works rather like a betting company. You take on the energy company. You benefit if the energy company loses because you lower your consumption. And the energy company wins if you lose because you use too much energy. This is exactly the wrong model for the modern world. That used to be fine, but now we have a world where we're trying to cut consumption. We're trying to help people to overcome their consumption worries, to, to move together to a green future, to hold hands in and, and collaborate in a way that reduces the terrible experience that customers have just been through of volatility and crisis. We need a new model if we're going to deliver the transition. And that's the thesis. The, the model argues we need to turn the whole thing, the paper argues we need to turn the whole model on its head and begin with the customer, not fighting the customer, but collaborating with the customer, empowering the customer. That's the thesis. Nigel, is that, you could interpret that two ways. You could interpret it as a market design question for governments, regulators, policymakers, or you could interpret it as a opportunity or challenge for energy retailers or those working with customers to reframe the way they work with their customers. Yeah, yes, I agree. Um, and policy clearly has a role to play. Ultimately, it begins, though, with customers, not with policymakers. And customers are actually driving policymakers. The, the recent energy crisis has, has left a scar on customers. Customers are hurting. Customers are crying out for something different. They don't trust their energy suppliers. As I mentioned already, um, we've got clear data that shows that the energy brands are the bottom of the pile when you look at major service providers, certainly into the home. That is a signal, that is an opportunity for the market to respond with disruptive offers that give the customer what they want. There is no real need for policy as such if the customer is crying out for something. That's a, that's a business opportunity in a free market. And there are disruptors who are responding to it. So break down this customer-centric transition a bit. What are the, you know, how, make... You framed it in terms of not adversarial, but partnership, working together. Um, what are the different elements of that for an energy retailer, for example? Just, I mean, it, we had some interesting conversations when we were writing this paper. Clearly, we had a lot of debates about this. But for me, it's about a complete change in the way that we offer the products and the services to the customer. So we've talked about customer solutions for years in energy but they haven't actually been customer solutions. They've been very much pushing what the energy retailer, the energy company wants to push onto customers because it's what they need, not what the customers need. So what we're talking about now is transforming the relationship so they're actually customer-centric, so the customer is in the middle of that conversation with their energy supplier. Um, you know, there's an opportunity right now with technology to start to bring costs down. There's an opportunity with flexibility to bring the value up. You know, this 
changes the kind of conversations you need to have with customers because they need to be active in the market. And there's almost been too much debate about what this means and how to break this down. But we kind of settled on four key components. First, as Nigel has already mentioned, we're going to see a complete change in the energy retailer relationship with the customer. There's going to need to be a move towards engaging, empowering and ultimately collaborating with customers, which is quite different to what we've seen to this point. Secondly, the data that we gather from customers and the kind of rapid emergence of AI as a key tool to deliver um, this data back to customers, personalising the customer experience and helping retailers to engage in a positive and proactive way will be absolutely critical to the whole solution. Third, we see a transformation of the way solutions are delivered to customers. So we're moving beyond box shifting towards energy solutions with finance included, which address the upfront cost barrier. But we're also going to see intelligent digital assets in the home, which enables both customers and suppliers from, to benefit in this new relationship. Lastly, we talk a lot in the paper about risk management and the role of tariffs and energy services in enabling customers to choose the right level of risk that they're willing to take. You know, rather than just being driven by the cheapest rate possible, we'll instead see customers engaging with smart tariffs or flexible tariffs where they're empowered to make active decisions about their own consumption, which completely transforms the way that they will engage with their retailer. I mean, overall, what we're talking about here is a complete shift that we haven't seen yet from energy retailers. So far, a lot of the solutions are being pushed at customers, but they work for the retailer. But we're talking about flipping that on its head and actually centering everything around the customer. And, you know, why, why now, I guess, in terms of at this stage, we've come this far, you know, what's going to be the biggest, biggest change? I think there's something around bringing the cost of technology down. Um, there's an opportunity to do that right now in the market. But also there's the opportunity around flexibility to increase the value of technology to the customer. But to do this, the customer has to be engaged. I mean, there's lots more we can say about all three of these or four of these items. Um, but on the topic of risk management and the use of tariffs is particularly important. So, Nigel, I don't know if you want to come in and say a bit more about that from your perspective. Yes, essentially, risk management is going to be fundamental to the way the market looks. Um, traditionally, suppliers have borne all the risk. But in a volatile, intermittent world of renewable energy generation, there'll be a more complex relationship between supplier and customer with risk sharing contracts between the two and solutions for customers that enable them to manage their risk. We've already seen the evolution of very sophisticated tariffs across Europe that, that will continue and form the platform. So in, in the old days, you you just bought the cheapest price. In the future, you set a price for a certain degree of risk, risk around price or volume that you might be prepared to live with. Um, and, and that's what the new model looks like. So it's more of a, it has to be collaborative if I'm going to agree effectively a risk price contract with you and agree how I'm going to live with that risk, how I'm going to manage it. Maybe I'll have solar and storage, for instance, to manage my risk. So, so that becomes a much more, more of a handshake and less of a confrontation. Sandra, what do you make of the, the this move from adversarial to collaborative? Yes, I was um, I was just uh, thinking, you know, because if I if I listen to what has been said now, you have these the the part of the customer empowerment of the risk management, which which gives value also to the to the utility or to the new player in the market as well as to the client. You have the um, opportunity for offering new type of energy services. How how would you see it, um, Nigel, in a way that is there any area where to start off? 
or are they all equally the same? Like what, what would you recommend, right? If, if one of the players would like to step into that new world and new customer centric era, where to start off? Yes. Well, we are seeing people start off already. Um, as you would expect me to say, it starts with the customer. So if you essentially the idea is to create virtuous business models rather than vicious ones. So a virtuous model is helping the customer achieve their goals without the provider of that solution actually suffering if those goals are achieved. So a good example would be something like Tibber, where Tibber has a pass-through contract. Now, this isn't the full end game by any means, but it's, it's the principle sound, which is Tibber does not benefit if I, as the customer, use more energy. They just make a small profit on the, um, the pass-through of the wholesale price to me in my retail price. So what's Tibber's business? Tibber's business is then selling me energy efficiency solutions so that I can use less. Note that they have no, they don't lose out if I apply those solutions. On the contrary, they gain because I'm buying their solutions. To them, they're not benefiting from commodity supply. They're just passing it through to me. So we're on the same side. They've come around my side of the table. They swap teams. That's my friend helping me to cook costs. Now, there are a lot more sophisticated models than Tibber available, but the basic principle of pass-through tariff with energy efficiency solutions around it is essentially collaborative. And so what we'll start to see is the development of um, these simple models that will become a lot more sophisticated as more sophisticated solutions are provided to me. I would just have one follow-up question on that because, um, Nigel, you were saying that Often it's based also on some kind of sales, right? Like hardware sales, sales of energy efficiency applications or tools, etc. Can be, yeah. Probably Jennifer, how would you see the the financing of all of these solutions, right? Because normally these players would like to address the full market, like like all clients, all customer segments, and not everyone is able to afford that. Yeah, I mean the finances. Well, it's obviously absolutely critical for some of the more expensive technologies, but I think the point is that it can start a lot smaller. So it can start with something relatively low cost for that customer. You start to build up that relationship and then there is an opportunity to upsell after that with perhaps financing included to help cover the costs. But you have to build up that trust first, I think, as a thesis here. So, you know, you might start by selling a control to your customer and then doing some personalized insights around their usage and helping them, you know, save a, a few pounds a year on their energy bill. But then you become an advisor to that customer. They start to build that relationship. It's a bit like Nigel said, you come around the other side of the table, they're with you, they're trying to help you. And then actually, do you know, oh, we notice you've got an EV. We notice there's some usage at this time of the day. Have you thought about this solution? Or would you be interested in joining this type of tariff? You know, you can start to open the conversation there from quite a small base. But obviously, as you get towards things like heat pumps, uh, bigger technologies that involve much more upheaval, the financing is absolutely critical. Um, so green finance is going to be a, a major, major factor here, I think, in the future. Sandra, how much have you seen this in your work at Tico over the last years, this sort of mindset, I guess, that Jennifer and Nigel are describing? Yeah, I mean, in, in my past work and also in, in my current work, right, I see pieces of it um, I see different players um, taking parts of it 
Um, so, for example, there are some solutions out there which which are applying financing, right? So instead of selling hardware, they do like rentals or leasing opportunities. Mm. There's also a lot in in service and product um, design, which is customer centric. The the challenge, I think, is mainly to put the pieces together, and this relates to my former question. Um, it always starts, I, from my personal view, with the empowerment of the customer. So it means that you need to get the data and just have a look on in how many countries in Europe you are able to get the smart data, a smart meter data, really mm. on your platform, right? To reuse it and to give insights to the client, it's a nightmare. I mean, there there are exceptions, but with the broader accessibility, there is still some work to do. I think we will get there. Um, just takes a bit bit more time and then we have the basis for all the additional services yeah and that data does it could also come from a thermosnatch from a heating appliance yes yes sure so i think you're mentioning their critical point so even though the data might come from smart meters it could come from smart thermostats it could also come from the asset itself which would require the manufacturer of that asset to be open um, for the accessibility of that data or to be able to give that accessibility. Um, and I think some of the players have realized that also as a new business model to charge for that data, which then makes the new, gives like some additional hurdles, right, in the development of new products and services, but it's manageable. Essentially, I, I, so much there. Um, all the bits are there. What, what, what the point I would stress? I mean, it's really you're dead right, Sandra. You can see this evolving as a series of separate streams. There's lots of little silos of technology and finance as well, and AI. All these things are growing, and you, you put your finger on it when you said the biggest challenge is systems integration, pulling all these things through into joined up propositions, and. As an industry, systems integration isn't something that the retail energy industry is famous for. I think that's fair to say, with a degree of understatement. Um, pulling the things together is really hard, and that's where the role for disruptors is. But that's that's a customer-centric orientation. I shouldn't need three different apps, one for my EV, one for my smart thermostat, one for my smart meter, and perhaps it's got my bill in it. You know, they should all join up. I just want this thing to tell me how I'm doing with my energy. I don't care that these things were made by separate people. Um, and, and so we see integration and partnership as being key, that we will see these tie-ups. And if they don't happen, then there is a huge opportunity for disruptors. And the disruptors might be people you don't expect. Um, so it's not obvious to us that energy suppliers per se will win, but whoever wins will be an energy manager who has pulled these different things together. Taking what you said, Nigel, you're, what you and Sandra just said, you're almost implying it could be too hard for incumbents with all their current systems because you're trying to make pull that systems integration bit then becomes like trying to wade through treacle. So actually, is that why we're seeing the likes of Tibber, Octopus, NPAL in Germany, companies like this? are the ones that started to get traction um, by definition because they can build their systems for this customer-centric future. Well, yes, I, th I think so, yes. I think it is a, an opportunity for, for lots of different people, actually, manufacturers, even banks. You know, the green finance model is 
huge opportunity for them. We see Rabobank collaborating with uh, Net to Grid and installers to put together energy efficiency solutions in the Netherlands. But you are starting to see these collaborations happen. I agree the companies you've mentioned are obviously the ones who are in the lead. Um, and coming back to Sandra's point about all the different components being there, that's exactly what we're seeing. So you see Octopus collaborating with Lloyds Bank on green finance. They've acquired a, a heat pump company. They'll, they'll sell you a heat pump. They'll sell you a Octopus Cozy, which is a heat pump friendly tariff that supports time of use. It's not a huge step to link those three into a single product, right? You've got everything you need. You've got the digital. They've also got a digital platform in Kraken that can be upgraded very quickly. And legacy systems are a huge barrier to this, which I think is implicit in your question, John, and which is why we've seen, say, Eon adopting Kraken because they know they need to be more fleet of foot and need to be able to try stuff, be more experimental, be less cautious. Um, we'll see a lot of pilots at arm's length, particularly with AI, we'll see that. Another thing we'll see is the growth of app-based banks, because that's a lot. it makes it a lot easier to integrate AI uh, within the customer service experience and get a human in the loop if you're dealing through an app with a dialogue-based format rather than a phone call. So all the different bits are there. The challenge is, can you join them all up into a into a single holistic proposition that's simple and easy? My phrase is, it should be simple on the outside and complex on the inside. That's what this will be. So I'm wondering now if our listeners who are working with incumbent uh, energy retailers are starting to pack up their things and get ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I think would be, I think that, that would be a bit much. No, but I think it's just a different level, level of freedom, right? Probably to, to just quickly build up on that. I think if you already have a legacy and then you have a brand, um, you have investors probably behind you, right? You always need to consider all your stakeholders that you already have. Whereas as a startup, you just start on a, on a green field, right? You have no one you have to imagine or besides the customer. And so you can really directly push your product into that direction. And I think this is the major difference also in worth of timing and in, in worth of, let's say, the extent to how you can change from day one to the other. Jennifer, how, how quickly can this happen? You know, the word of the, the paper you and Nigel put together is the dawn of a customer-centric solution. Dawn suggests a sun rising in the sky relatively quickly. Uh, how optimistic are you that these different elements of customer engagement and empowerment, use of data and AI, risk management, uh, finance and digitalization to provide these services, how quickly can the energy sector incumbents or new entrants really embrace and drive this forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a really difficult question to answer. Um, and there's lots of different reasons why we would see this go faster or slower in certain markets, I think. Um, I think everything is ready now, which is why we said Dawn, for it to go quite quickly if they engage in the right way. Um, and what we're seeing is that, you know, over the last 10 years, perhaps, we've seen retailers try and go after this prize, try and create energy services solutions, but they're trying to do it all themselves. Um, so we've got kind of the big incumbent retailers in the UK. You know, they want to have their own installation force. They want to sell their own badge teat pump. They want to, you know, build every bit of, you know, the, the smart thermostat themselves. And actually, it's that realization that there's others in the market who are able to do that better than them. 
more nimbly than them and it's about creating those right relationships so they've got the customer right now and they need to really think about who and how they partner to get the right solution if they do that this could be quite quick it could be quite rapid because the skills and the expertise are there you know there's nothing really preventing this um you know we've seen ai last year ai wasn't on anyone's radar this year we're all using chat gpt every day um you know it's it's it can happen really quickly when the the kind of technology is right and the customer offer is there and it helps people sandra what do you think about jennifer's point about partnership you know i guess um build it yourself partner collaborate to be honest, I think it's it's crucial, right? Um, so we know that all the challenge that we are facing at the moment um, to manage that industry turnaround, we are not able to do like one by one. We can only do it together. That's my my working hypothesis. So I think partnerships are then crucial, especially also working together with the incumbents. It will make their life much easier um, because they can build up on technology that has been already developed. But it can be also giving quite a lot of um, advantage to play like smaller players working together or um, players. Just to give you several examples, right? There was now Tado, which acquired Avatar, which is not a partnership, but an acquisition, right? But it helps quite a lot in making that step into the into the energy um, field, for example. And there are several other other examples that we can see. Um, coming from the flexibility part, I think you see also that many of the flexibility platforms got either acquired by big incumbents um, and then the few left ones, they work quite a lot together with different players, but also between each other sometimes. And yeah, you, you can yeah. only gain from it, right? It's sometimes a hassle. I mean, partnerships during nice times, the sun is shining, right? If, if there are issues coming up, you're close to a divorce. But that's that's normal, right? Like in every relationship. So I think it's crucial. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes around, I guess, comes back to marshalling those skills, bringing those skills together, whether they're in one company, whether they're across different companies. But I think it would be quite rare for them to all be uh or sit within one organization yeah. but it's also the limit the limitations um, at the moment with the workforce right if you try to hire software designers for example to build up like a digital platform for any kind of business in the energy space i mean this is much more difficult than it was 10 years ago and this is only one piece of it 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 doesn't matter right we have that that scarcity of workforce in almost every area so I think uh, there as well, partnerships can help to overcome these, these scarcity issues. Well, let's bring out the Talking New Energy crystal ball now. And I'm going to set the dial to just three years time. So 2026. And uh, Nigel and Jennifer, I'm going to ask you to rate out of 10 where you see the... Uh, where you see the market today and where you think it will be in three years' time on this journey that you've both described in this podcast. So naught out of 10 will be right at the very beginning or the starting line, 10 out of 10. Uh, we are in this customer-centric future. So where are we today and where will we be in three years' time? Uh, Jennifer, do you want to go first and, and Nigel? 
I mean, for me, you know, we've been doing this for quite a while now, and I would say we're probably still right at the beginning. So I've been with LCP Delta for coming up 14 years, and it feels like the dial hasn't shifted much in that time, sadly. Um, I think the difference now is the capabilities that we're seeing in the market and the technologies, they're there and they're ready, and it's more about the implementation phase. So I think that can go much more rapidly. So I'd probably say we're like a three out of 10 now, maybe we're a third of the way there. We've done all the building that we need to do. We've got the technologies and actually we've primed customers because customers are starting to shift towards, you know, wanting the energy crisis has actually been great from a customer perspective if you want to sell them stuff, because suddenly they're really aware of what they're spending and they're using and they want to save, um, you know, save money and they want to be greener. So I think all those things are kind of coming together now, which means I think the pace will increase. So probably in the next, you know, keeping in mind it's taken maybe 10 years to get to three out of 10. I think in the next three years, you might get to six or seven out of 10. Three to six or seven. Nigel, your scores? I think Jennifer's stolen a lot of my thunder there, but um, I, I do see the pace picking up probably a bit more rapidly than that, uh, simply because, partly because I'm just a, an optimist by nature. Uh, but also, this is how things grow, right? So we've had this long, slow taxiing down the runway thing. You know, think of the S-curve. Um, we're now a very much at a tipping point, in my belief. Uh, Sandra's mentioned the number of acquisitions in the space, which is a clip, which is a common sign before a, a market disrupts, because then you're at once you would the the innovators build all the tech, and then the acquirers put it all together, and suddenly they've got scale and they can roll out faster. So we're, the energy crisis, as well, has been a gift from a transition point of view. Plus, policymakers are now doubling down, especially in the EU on green goals. So all of these things are very supportive. The technology is actually ready. We have huge rollout issues, particularly in Germany with smart metering. But yes, I'd, I agree with all of Jennifer's sentiments, except that I don't think it's aggressive enough. I'm, I'm looking at seven or an eight in three years time. Okay, and where would you put us today? Oh, two. We're, we're, we two. really are just getting off to the end of the runway. Okay, um, Jennifer and Nigel, Thanks very much. Um, for people listening that are intrigued to learn more about what you've been saying, you can download the white paper from the LCP Delta website, The Dawn of a Customer-Centric Transition. Sandra, how, what, what do you make of this area? You know, you've been an entrepreneur right in the middle of it for a long time. You're now more on the outside, but working with companies who are in the middle of it. Where do you sit on where we're at today and and where we're going to get to, or how quickly we're going to move forward. Yeah, so let's say there is no reason why we should not be on a seven yeah. within three years' time. I think the market circumstances, as described before, have never been better um, than now with all the technology being there, the awareness of the customer, etc. So we just have to do it, uh, which sounds easier than the implementation and integration might be. But it's all struggles that we can overcome. And I think now it moves much more into the term of creating the right business models um, and still educating also the customers on what's going on and why some offers are looking like another or not. Technology is there, the customer is there. Now it's just about building the integration and the business model, even though it might not be just easy. Um, but I think it's it's possible um there will be focus areas right where players will 
have to define if they either go through AI and data or they better go through financing models or through risk management opportunities or solutions, right? So it's a bit like to choose one of the areas to start off with, but there is none on which you will go wrong at the moment. So I think we can only, we can only get better, right? But how, how would you see it, John? What would be your view? So I can see bits of this happening. Like Nigel mentioned a partnership between Rabobank and NetGrid in the Netherlands. There's quite a lot of good examples you could see in most European markets of this. Then you've got a few standout examples of the companies I mentioned earlier, companies like Tibber, Octopus, Enpal. And I, I think what these companies have shown is when you get things right, things can move quite quickly. And you do need a lot of backing. You need enough deep enough pockets to invest in this and to get momentum. Um, and ultimately, I think it comes down to leadership, leadership and vision, determination, and that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, so I'm quite optimistic because I can see lots of signs from different types of companies. I can see progress starting to be made. Like you said, I think the market's there. And I think people working for companies want to make a difference. Um, you know, people work, the energy sector is now quite a cool place to work. Um, to talk, to tell your friends, I work in the energy sector and people really want to make a difference. Customers want to do the right thing, generally. The ingredients are there. So it just needs that, that push, the leadership vision, deep pockets, determination. And I can see enough of that starting to come through, I think. So I don't know. Am I being too optimistic, Sandra? No, I think it was a great summary. Well, let's see where we go in the next years and hope everyone listening, uh, whatever role you're playing, yeah, keep that determination, keep that vision. Uh, we'll only succeed in the energy transition if customers play an integral part in it. So thanks for listening. Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Hope you've got some inspiration and ideas uh, from the podcast, from the, the white paper, if you have a read of it, and look forward to welcoming you back next week. Goodbye. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. We are excited to bring you captivating conversations from the leading edge of Europe's energy transitions. If you've got suggestions for topics or guests for future episodes, please let us know. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please do rate it and share it with colleagues. For show notes, transcripts and more, please visit lcpdelta.com. Mm-hmm.